This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofala here too, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hallatow, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sarah Nangama. Bola Dean and Bola to all of our listeners. It feels fabulous to be back in for another week. Also, just want to wish all of our listeners a happy International Women's Day. We are a day late, but nonetheless, we have got a jam-packed show for you. We'll chat with Melanie Kawa. We've got a topical one for you can ask that. Plus, we introduce our new reporter covering all things Pacific. But before we get into all of that, hello, how have you been? How has your week been? Week's been awesome, Sarah. Footy round one of the NRL kicked off. That was exciting, but I went to Harry Styles with my daughter last Friday night, so that was um, probably the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> it's funny that the footy started, but my highlight was hanging out at Harry Styles with my daughter. <laughs> Did you get some feathers and glitter on your face? I didn't get the feather bow going. I was actually accused of being too boring by my daughter. I had jeans and a black uh-huh. T-shirt on, so she said, is that what you're wearing? I said, I'm coming straight from work, and that's what I'm wearing to work, so yes. And she said, oh, that's a little bit boring, Dad. You need to <laughs> zhuzh it up a little bit, which I didn't do. Regrettably. Did she enjoy herself though? Did yeah, she, she enjoy herself? She had a great time and um, Harry was awesome. I'm a big fan of Harry now because his uh, his performance was great. Very entertaining, very engaging. So that was my weekend. What about you, Sarah? How's things going with you? Oh, I love that. Harry Styles fan. I would never, ever get you. <laughs> Life in Christchurch continues. It's uh, been fabulous thus far. We are crazy to think now that we're in week three of uh, Opiki. Um, so yeah, it, it's been much of the same training, just trying to adapt to the lifestyle. So just um, just taking it day by day, if you know what I mean. Coming, have you got an accent yet? Have you developed a little bit of a Kiwi accent? Look, I I don't, but my housemates and my teammates accuse me for having an accent that's not Australian. They think when I speak, I sound more English, which sounds bizarre because I am so not English. I am like I feel as though I have an Aussie accent, but they they um they were mocking my accent a little bit earlier today, so I was a bit winded from that. You sound posh, is it? They might be saying you sound posh. I mean, I am a radio host, so I certainly have to have some variety <laughs> to my voice, right? <laughs> That's fair enough, fair enough, Sarah. Now, uh, let's jump into the, the top story. And unfortunately, it's it's not a good one. Vanuatu at the moment, they're experiencing uh, some, some fairly dangerous cyclones. It's uh, a state of emergency has been declared. Uh, Category 4 Cyclone Kevin has brought gale force winds and torrential rain to the Pacific nation. And it's, uh, it's a second cyclone in a week. And there's also been um, some recent earthquakes as well, two earthquakes. So plenty happening in, in the Pacific in Vanuatu at the moment. And we just want to wish everyone there all the best. We hope they're staying safe uh, and, and send nothing but love over there. Yeah, just echoing the sentiment, it's devastating to see any one of our Pacific nations suffering, which Vanuatu certainly are. So we are sending um, our thoughts and our prayers to them and hopefully they can recover from this uh, quite quickly. But yeah, nonetheless, very devastating stuff. Yeah, and in amongst all that, of course, have been a number of sporting matches and events that have been postponed. Uh, there's also been quite a bit of damage to some local uh, sporting facilities as well. So no doubt um, beyond, once they get through this emergency state, there'll be some need to, to recover and, and to get some help in doing so. So we'll, we'll keep our listeners posted on what they can do to help things when that happens. Beautifully said, Dean. Turning our attention now to the sport that took place on the weekend, first being the Super Rugby OPG, the Premier 15s competition for New Zealand women's rugby. Blues women took on Chiefs Manawa. Now, Chiefs Manawa, they started off the action and defeated Blues heavily 50 to 30. To 33. It was a 12 try, 83 point bonanza in which expansive rugby was the order of the day. The Manawa's victory was built off the foundations of solid set piece, aggressive defense, and clean outs by the plaque. This does also mean that the Auckland's Blues, sorry, the Auckland Blues have lost two from two matches and Chiefs Manawa maintain their first place position on the ladder. So Chiefs Manawa, are they the team to beat? Because they've, they've won two uh, now and uh, they've won them comfortably. Is that. Um... Is that the team that you got your sights set on? Yes, they are the team that we need to knock off. Uh, they also did win Opiki last season, and they're they're certainly continuing their strong trot into the twenty three season. But uh, the last fixture of the weekend was between Matatu, my team, and Hurricanes Power, where we lost by. A devastating one point. It was 25 to 24, but this was a special weekend for a number of reasons for Matatu players. It was the first time for us to play in Christchurch. Um, our team is based here. We represent the whole South Island. So it was so special to be able to see the 
the the stands packed out with family and friends. Um, but the Poller, they beat us in the preseason fixture quite heavily, and we were keen to turn that results around. And in the end, with two minutes to go, we were one point down. Um, we opted for a lineout, but we were denied by some strong defense from the Hurricanes. So it was um, a little bit devastating for us to to not come away with the win um, after having most of the momentum and possession throughout the match. But uh, what we have the I guess we have the opportunity again this week to go up against Chiefs um, and really test ourselves against the best in the competition. So congratulations to Paula, um, but devastating for my team. But we are very, very keen to turn that result around this week. If, if you had to pick one big lesson from your game on the weekend, what would you say it is? I think decision-making is something that we certainly have highlighted throughout our reviews. Um I know that there's been a lot of chat circulating as to why we just didn't try and take the points when we were already down, but um, you know, so, so much happens and, and, and the, and the game should never get to that point where you're just depending on one player to kind of come in clutch for you. So um, decision-making is certainly something that we're looking at. And yeah, I wonder what could have been if we, we didn't opt for the line out. Now, Sarah, the super rugby Pacific continue on the weekend. Uh, some of the results that have come in from that. Yes, the Super Rugby Pacific action continued in Melbourne. It was Super Round, which means all of the teams within Australia and New Zealand went down to uh, Melbourne where the teams competed. But there were some amazing fixtures that took place. And the one that um, I certainly want to highlight was between the Hurricanes and the Rebels, where the Hurricanes came out on top 39 to 33. Now, one player in particular that was a standout was the Hurricane skipper, Ari Sever. He was both the hero and a villain. He scored two early tries, set up another, um, had immense contribution around defense, but he was also given a yellow card for his involvement in an all-in brawl just before the break. And the part that had everyone talking was what he was sent off for. So as he was making his way off the field, he uh, made a throat-slitting gesture to the Rebels halfback, Ryan Lowers. So that wasn't um, a fantastic moment for the skipper. And he had the opportunity to apologize in which he took full ownership of. Um, But the Hurricanes um, have certainly showed some form, but what was most impressive was the Rebels' fight. Not um, not everyone's really quick to forget that the Rebels didn't have the best season, but for them to put themselves up against a strong opposition like the Hurricanes and finish the way they did, they've got lots to be proud of. What did you make of the, the throat-slitting, Sarah, throat I should say, Sarah, the action from Adi Savea? Because this is something that used to be a part of some of the huckers that the All Blacks performed. Um, yeah, what, what did you think of it yourself? I mean, there's just, there are moments in the game where I guess your judgment kind of uh, is lacking and I guess you don't make the best of decisions. And I think it was a little bit immature for Artie to make such a gesture when he's such a notable um, player and and he even owns that, you know, his emotions got the best of him. So I... In short, I think it was a little bit immature and unnecessary. And I think considering his um, his leadership role that he has, it, it doesn't matter. But, you know, in those moments, like you're playing a contact sport where you're just throwing yourself at each other for 80 minutes, there's no sense of self-preservation um, on the field. So it certainly um, it, <laughs> is something that he's not thinking about when he's doing so. I know there's been a lot of mixed arguments, but it was just a moment. I don't necessarily think it defines him. It was just, um, yeah, it was just a moment, really. That's all I can put it down to. Yeah, well, I'm sure he learned his lesson from that and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to next week. Now on to the last fixture from Super Rugby Pacific was the Blues v. Brumbies game where the Brumbies came out on top 25 to 20. Now, this has a lot of spectators speaking because eight days earlier, the Highlanders uh, were defeated by the Blues 60 to 20. So this was a huge result for it to turn around. The scores did end up tied up at halftime 2025 and they remained unchanged. So discipline was a huge, huge frustration for the Blues and the Brumbies. They just showed so much resilience to hold out the Blues, no matter what they threw at them, um, particularly through the likes of Roger Tuvasashek. They just held their own and it was so impressive for the Brumbies to do so. And, um, for, for a lot of us, I mean, I certainly think that the Brumbies are the top super rugby uh, franchise at the moment in Australia. So it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain this performance, but no doubt they'll take a lot of confidence from the win against the Brumbies. Yeah, I'm sure they will. It's great to see uh, the Brumbies get up. And especially when we always talk about the strength of the New Zealand sides and how do the Australian teams compete? Well, early on in the competition, we've seen the Brumbies get it over the Blues, who are a strong side. So good positive signs for Australian rugby teams. Now, Sarah, on to the, uh, the faster format of the game. Rugby Sevens, Vancouver was the last stop. 
Yes, it was. And it was all things exciting and thrilling rugby, which we always expect from the world circuit. In the women's uh, competition, New Zealand took on Australia, the friendly foes. They took on each other in the final match where New Zealand had the final say 19 to 12. It was really um, heartbreaking to see the Aussie girls go down in this fashion. It had everything in it. With Madison Levi pulling off an unbelievable try-saver on Georgia Miller, who is just this impressive up-and-coming star, only for Sarah Hidden, their captain, to score the first try of the game. Madison Ashby, she is one of my favourites. Um, she was able to answer back with the try um, and also did Charlotte Kaslik. But again, New Zealand just showing so much heart, so much resilience, and were able to maintain their dominance in this match. So heartbreaking for the girls. Um, do want to make mention of the Fiji women's side. They did finish in fifth place. They haven't had um, a very solid trot, very similar to the men's, which I'll cover in a minute. But on to the men's fixture, Argentina took out first place with France following behind and Australia secured the bronze spot on the podium, defeating Ireland at 20 to 5. For our Fiji men, devastating for them. They finished in sixth place and somewhere in ninth. But do not fear, the next stop is the Hong Kong Sevens kicking off on the 31st of March. Of course, New Zealand still sitting atop the table there in the men's division as well. So the New Zealand teams both having plenty of joy so far this year, uh, this year on the Sevens circuit. Jumping from the field and over the court and the basketball NBL finals are at the moment and the Sydney Kings have been taking on the New Zealand Breakers. They're at one game apiece. It's a best of five series and they're battling out for the championship. Um, the Breakers won last Friday night in Sydney, but then when the Kings travelled over to New Zealand, they managed to square things up. So both teams taking uh, each other on in opposition territory and getting a result. Uh, it's been a pretty tightly contested series so far, so we can't wait to bring you the final results of that. It's going to go to at least four games uh, and possibly the fifth if we were all square after that, um, Sarah. So we'll bring everyone the update on that. Yes, all very exciting. Staying on the court but turning our attention to netball, the New Zealand National Netball Competition is back underway and one game in particular caught our eye. On Sunday, the Central Pulse went up against the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic in what can only be described as a thriller. The Pulse defeated Magic by just one goal, winning 53-52. to Accuracy won them the game with a friend of the show, Tiana Metarau, making 94%, so 17 of her 18 shots, alongside her shooting partner, Amelia Wormsley, who hit 92% which is 36 of the 39 goals. So very impressive stuff from the, the, the duo. Yeah, that's um, that's some sharp shooting from uh, the goal attack and goal shooter. That's impressive. And any, any wonder why they got the result? Yes. Now over to Rugby League. As you know, the action has kicked back. And the first Melanesian Bowl uh, within Orgrul, Melanesian Bowl took place, which was between the PNG Hunters um, against the KVT Silktails, where the Silktails did fall short 26 to 12. Yeah, it was uh, obviously the first of the match. It was in some pretty testing conditions in Fiji at Lawanga Park in uh, Singatoka. And there was a second half hat trick by the front rower for the PNG Hunters, Junior Rop, uh, which is pretty amazing. To get a hat trick is awesome, but to do it as a front rower and in pretty tough conditions um, is, is a big reason why the PNG team was able to uh, get the result. They piled on 22 unanswered points in the second half. So um, great initiative, great idea to have this Melanesian bowl. And no doubt it's the first of many. Uh, and Fiji will be looking to, to get one back next time they face off against each other. I'm going to have to put in a call to my big brother, also their head coach, Wes Nengama, and just uh, ask what's doing with these boys because they've got, to, they've got to tighten that before they get to New South Wales and compete in the Run Massey Cup. Yeah, certainly. Send him some tips. Send him some – have a look at the game. <laughs> Send him some analysis and, um, yeah, give him some advice, Sarah. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, as I mentioned before, NRL round one kicked off last weekend. So lots of excitement uh, for some big matchups. But the ones that I want to talk about, the Panthers at home to the Broncos on Friday night. Now, this is one that the Panthers were expected to win comfortably. The defending premiers have won two in a row. And the Broncos have had a tough couple of years, all sorts of pressure placed on them as a club. But uh, the Broncos managed to get the job done in some really trying conditions. There was on and off rain. It was sideways, very windy. Um, but they won 13 points to 12, and it was thanks to uh, Adam Reynolds' field goal at about the 70th minute, uh, which put them uh, seven points in front. They managed to hold on. 10 metres out from the goal line. Adam Reynolds just by the by a set back on the 20-metre line. Walters goes left to Reynolds. Field goal from 18 metres out. Reynolds strikes it, likes it, kicks the field goal. Brisbane by seven. Pretty impressive performance from the Broncos, and, of course, their halfback leading them uh, to victory, Sarah. Yes, no one would have expected the Broncos to do a number on the Panthers, but uh, it's so great to be able to see some of these underdog teams really take it out. It almost begs the question, is Panthers a little bit rusty at the beginning of the season? They could be. They've had a few players obviously leave the club, but um, yeah, it was... uh 
a surprising loss for them at home, and there was a little bit of player um, disagreement at the end of the game. I'll put it that way. We're going to touch on that a little bit later on. Um, but you spoke about disappoint or disappointments or upsets. I think you said Sarah, and the biggest upset was reserved for the Dolphins versus the Roosters at Lang Park. The Dolphins they've been hotly tipped by uh, some of us here as well as picking up the wooden spoon this year. They kept everyone quiet in the weekend by a 28 points to 18 victory over the Roosters. Um, so a win on debut for the Dolphins. And the man that created history for the Dolphins was Hamaso Tabuai Fado. He scored their first try. 15 from halfway. 24 minutes to the break. It's 6-0 to the Roosters. But a line break from Marshall King up to the 30, up to the 20 pass infield. But maybe that trivia moment. Tabuai Fido goes under the flat dot. It's hammer time for the Dolphins. Oh, that is just so exciting to be able to just hear that voiceover. You can sense the excitement in the stands as well. But the best thing about the Dolphins is they've come to this competition. They're the new kids on the block. No one's expecting much of it, but they're going to experience a lot of first. First win, first loss. Um, it's all very exciting stuff for them. Yeah, yes, it is. A year of first for the Dolphins. Uh, some strong performances. Um, Kafusi had a great game. He picked up the Artie Legacy medal. Also, Jermaine Osako picked up two tries. His first one went like this. Last play, Dolphins on a rumble to the northern end. Katoa runs it, gives to Kafusi right edge through the hands. Branko Lee gets it to Osako, steps in field. Osako scores, and the Finns lead at 22 to 12. I like that Quinton Hull's calling the Finns already. I love it. Fins up. That's that's the that's the tag that's trending. It is. Now don't forget you can catch all the games on Radio Australia. Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? Well, coming up back again on Telenoa Time to join us on Can You Be More Pacific, Mel Kawa. She's uh, been an awesome guest before. She's played with the Melbourne Rebels and she has been around the game for a number of years. Uh, it's been a while since we chatted last. Mel, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, great to talk to you again, Dean. Um, look, it's been, yeah, December 2021 or some, one of them COVID lockdowns. <laughs> the last <laughs> time that I was speaking to you for here from Melbourne. Um, and so much has happened since then. Um, and yeah, just very keen to have another chat with you. Now, we had uh, International Women's Day yesterday. And I guess from your point of view, can you tell us what the day means to you? Obviously, we're celebrating women and their achievements in all different fields, but particularly for yourself in the world of sport. Um, what what did International Women's Day mean to you? Yeah, International Women's Day. Sometimes I find it hard to... Um, just you know pick a day like because I'm trying to celebrate women every every single day but it is that it is a day where you can just kind of yeah t spend some time reflecting on just how um wonderful it is uh to be a woman and to know women and to learn from women and and just how much that women give back um you know contribute to community and society and things like that um particularly thinking about mothers and everyone knows a woman that they're just so um you know, incredibly proud of and in love with. And uh, yeah, just to take that time, um, International Women's Day is, yeah, it's a really great time to just reflect on that. For, and, and for me, you know, being a woman, I'm so incredibly proud um, to be a woman. And and uh, yeah, it, it can sometimes feel like a little, little bit of a cross to bear, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, well, I can, I can certainly vouch for the fact that there are very good women in my life that uh, I am very proud of and that I, that I support and support me in kind. So it's, uh, it's a good point you make. I guess going back to your sport, uh, can you share with the audience a little bit about growing up and playing rugby and what it was like to play rugby as, as a female? Yeah, and look, haven't times changed? I have been playing now, oh gosh, maybe like this might be the 18th year of being involved with the game. Um, and from the start, there was always still that sense of um, women looking out for women. So I remember my first training, just going down there, um, just on a whim. Well, no, another girlfriend had just said, hey, why don't you come down and have a, have a run? And even that, that invitational, that that um, that inclusive inclusiveness and just that welcome to, be, uh, to women's sport, um, that sort of sets it up to just be such a valuable and um, part of my life. And it did change the course of my life forever um so yeah ever since then just falling in love with the game of rugby and learning so much of, uh, from other women in rugby and um becoming just a fan of women in sport in general so much more than I actually ever was um has probably been some of the best takeaways for me and yeah just a celebration of what 
what women can achieve and, and they're continuing to do so, like change um, people's minds about things. So back in the day, obviously a few um, minds that were harder to change and like, because <laughs> they just hadn't seen so much of, of women's sport, but hasn't it changed since then? And it's only, you know, growing momentum and I can speak for my, you know, this sport of rugby, just how far it's come and uh, yeah, things are looking really good. Well, you mentioned rugby and, and there's been some really good announcements over the last probably 12 to 18 months around um, the state of play in terms of payments for women in, in rugby. And uh, this is something that I often spoke about with, with Sarah on air is, is that um, I couldn't believe that when Super Rugby started, Super Rugby W started, that there was no fees or payments for women playing the game. Like you, you're playing the, the elite competition in the country um, coming from franchises that are well-established, but there was no payments for women. And that that's certainly come a long way and at the Wallaroos level as well. Dude, you are singing my absolute gospel that I've been saying since day dot. I often was, would wonder, I was like, like, this does not make sense to me. Like these women, they're so capable. Some of the best athletes I've ever seen. Not only that, they're like mums and they're coming down to training and they're putting on these like epic, you know, displays. And the thing is, I, I had eyes on it and I was so invested. So I already knew what, what it was. And uh, I just wanted the world to find out about that. So you're right. It, it has, um, you know, after a lot of advocacy, not from the, just the, you know, the women who've just played the game before but you know men and women it's the volunteers around like rugby clubs and that that community that have always um been invested and seen how how um good it was for, for for women to be playing that sport have been celebrating it since since you know day dot and um i think it's really great that they can feel a part of it so having the super w now finally although it's the lowest paid sport amongst um most women's sport but it's finally being recognized as something that is deserving of a professional environment um and then yeah it, how how can the wallaroos our national team be expected to perform um you know on the world stage if they aren't getting that correct investment it's one that has never you know been been invested in before and so yeah those kind of things and 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 other things such particularly things like um spreading the professionalism around the pacific um this year in the super w we've obviously got that oceania um combine and for those who don't know um uh after the oceania champs uh between um held in fiji last year they've picked a few girls that they think uh you know could could be shopped into the Super W and play at that stage. And that's that that kind of idea and that kind of like elevation of the sport, um, particularly in our region, um, is great. And, and you know, hopefully next season it gets better with a bit of a trans-Tasman comp and so we can share it with our sisters across the ditch you know, with Super Rugby Old Picky. That would be great. So these types of things to be the very first um, – for women in this landscape is really exciting to be a part of. Yeah, that's re that's really cool. Creating pathways uh, out, out of the islands where they may not, that, well, they wouldn't have existed before, but creating genuine pathways through investment. And that's a, the important thing you, you mentioned it a few times. Like money up front is an investment, right? And often people that are critical of, of uh, investing money in women's sport will say like, oh, they don't get as much money through broadcast deals or whatever. Or it's not on TV as much, but you have to invest up front to actually create that opportunity. And I think that's a point missed on a lot of people. So I'm glad you, you, you bring that up. Um, I, I guess uh, I, I want to ask what other sports you, you mentioned before that you love watching women's sport, you become a fan of women's sport. What are the other sports that you, that you find yourself getting into? Oh, well, I mean, it's hard being in Melbourne or any time around January, Feb, not to be a fan of uh, the tennis and the Oz Open. So uh, like lucky enough last year to sort of, um, witness Ash Barty and that incredible match like I don't think there was a person talking about whether she was like a woman or a man in sport if she was just such an like uh, elite athlete so um love a bit of tennis when it's on here in the summer um but other than that I've been getting into the cricket obviously the MCG and I love seeing for the first time that like women in cricket are making absolute household names for themselves um uh not just here in Australia, but like even in India where it's, it, you know, they've just got so many eyeballs on the game. And so if you want a, an example of, um, you know, how many people are interested in, you know, cricket, let alone women's cricket, um, 
yeah, you only have to look there. And then the likes of, you know, Samantha Kerr, what she's doing for football. I think today she was just, or the other day she was just named, you know, in football's team of the year or something. She is, she's an absolute weapon. And I just love watching um, women be the best of their sport. And, and yeah, I just love seeing it. Uh, you mentioned some, some pretty iconic um, people in Australian sport at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely on the radar internationally as well as here in Australia. I, I want to ask you, have you seen, and, and this is a good question, I think, for um, the environment down in Melbourne, um, have you seen the attitude of, of male elite players change towards women's sport as well? I think, well, I can speak, I'm, I know from firsthand from being around uh, the Melbourne Rebels and what it was like. It was definitely a learning curve for for um, for the men to understand, first of all, what women's uh, pathways are exactly like. like some of them were completely unaware that there is no schoolboy system, for example, for uh, women that exist. And, and and we weren't getting picked up, you know, outside of school to go play in, in different comps and things like that. So their understanding is quite different. And then they, they obviously understand what, what do they do if they're not full-time con- contracted athletes? If we saw each other in the gym for just a couple of hours um, a day, they're wondering, oh, I wonder what, what these women do in their spare time so it it was a learning adjustment both ways but what I love seeing absolutely above everything is just champions um from both sides of the sport and just like um honoring um athletes and their dedication and their and their skill and their achievements in the sport so when you see you know someone taking a vested interest from the men's sport in the women's sport, whether it be coaching or commentating, particularly just just understanding a little bit more about their game. It's because they've chosen to and they've um, watched and they've learnt and they've realised that, oh, yeah, it is a little bit different and we can't just replicate the same type of expectations for the women. So um, I think those attitudes are changing. And then in the community as well, the community is now starting to recognise, you know, household names and, and, you know, they'd come up and say, oh, well done on the weekend having known the score because it was shared on the platform um, that we share with the men. So I like that it's getting a little bit more out there. And that's, I think, the easiest way to change minds is um, to just ask people to pay a little bit more attention. I couldn't agree more, Mel. Look, we could go on for, for hours on on this. It's been great chatting with you once more. Now, I don't know if you remember last time you were on the show, but we do run a little segment called Tip On. It's where we ask you a series of rapid-fire questions for a minute, and uh, you just want to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you uh, down to play again? Oh, I forgot about that, and now I'm all panicked. There's a few yeah, new okay, questions, we so we can, we, can, we can get through it. All right. The clock is on. What have you been binging on lately? Oh my goodness. I love British crime. I don't know how many I have burned through in the last few weeks, but I'll just find one and then just get so invested. And I like the really short ones that only have like five or six episodes so I can just (laughs) clean through it. Good stuff. What is your coffee order? Oh, so I am a complicated order. I would like a single shot um, lactose free flat white, but you got to get that in the right order. Otherwise they don't understand. (laughs) Do you fold or do you scrunch? Um, I fold, but messy fold. Messy fold? Okay. <laughs> sort of in the middle. Um, what is the most used app on your phone? Um, probably Instagram. Yeah. I, uh, or TikTok. It's kind of a balance. I do Instagram during the day and TikTok at night. That's bizarre. <laughs> uh, who is your celebrity crush? Um, Paul Rudd, Ant-Man. I heard he's in this country at the minute and I'm obsessed. Like, I just want to bump into him. He, he's the ageless guy, Paul Rudd. He doesn't He does age. not age. I mean, he's like 20 years yeah, I've been watching you for so long. <laughs> uh, what would be your spy name? Um, um, double O seven. <laughs> I don't know because <laughs> I got my rugby number. <laughs> well, Mel, it's been awesome chatting with you again. Thank you very much. And no doubt we're going to get you back on the show another time. Oh, thanks. It's been great, dude. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Yes, yeah, so we are back with another week for You Can Ask That. Now, this is our favorite segment because we get to answer, honestly, um, some questions that are sent through to us from our listeners. And this week, a question comes for us comes to us sorry, from Roy in Penrith. And the question is, in light of the Panthers game, is it healthy to call out your teammates publicly? Now, 
The situation that Roy is talking about was between Jerome Luai and Jamin Salmon, where Salmon, sorry, where after the match, you caught some audio of the two questioning. Um, I guess, a certain play within the game that could have potentially put them away against the Broncos. So I have to ask you, Dean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, in terms of that incident, I actually got caught on video as well. So it was quite funny because the camera just sort of circled around them. They were oblivious to what was uh, – to the fact that they were – or maybe they weren't. They didn't really care. But um, it was it was interesting to watch. Now, it, my view is that calling out teammates is okay. And if it happens in public, so be it. The stuff would happen behind closed doors anyway. You get held to account by your teammates. I guess um, the one thing that it might do is create a bit of noise publicly, which it has done in the media. There's, there's people saying that there's disharmony amongst the ranks at the Penrith Panthers. So that can sort of perpetuate more issues and people start point, pointing holes at everything that happens at the club. A lot of people have been criti- critical of Jerome Luai um, since that's happened as well. So that might be a bit of a flow of effect, but... I don't actually have any issue with with players calling each other out. I think it's healthy that you can have conversations that are challenging when in any sort of environment with people you work with or with teammates. And um, if you if you ultimately respect each other and you can manage your way through it, then you will get change or result or something diff- done differently the next time. What about you, Sarah? What's your thoughts? I I agree that you can call your teammates out publicly. I don't necessarily think I agree with, and I guess this is a bit of a trigger point for me because it did happen on the field um, at the most recent World Cup. Um, I was on the field, something had happened, and just a a very public, I guess, push from a teammate um, kind of questioning why I did what I did. And I didn't necessarily enjoy what it felt like, but I, I was obviously so fixated on the game. I didn't necessarily think about the external audience that was looking on. And once I got back into the change room, turned my phone back on, I had a couple of messages from family and friends being like, hey, what was what happened in that last little bit? So for me, I don't necessarily be uh, like, I don't care. Call me out if I you know did something right or wrong. Um, but I think the place that you do it, you have to be mindful of because it may not be well received pending if you do it publicly. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. I guess the, the fact that... Um... And I, I, sort of, I guess I alluded to it before, the fact that it is for all to see uh, can push to f- or move to further questions or uh, can highlight some things that maybe not there anyway, but uh, people read into it a little bit. Um, but that's a good question. And um, like I said before, it was interesting viewing. Thanks, Roy, for sending it through. Now, to anyone else out there, if you've got a question, you can hit us up on our socials uh, on Insta. I'm at Dean Hotel and Sarah is at Sarah Nengama. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean and talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around. We'll spotlight our favourite socials. We'll tackle the tough headlines in the ruck. But up next, we chat with our new sport reporter on the ground. Joining us on Can You Be More Pacific, we have Ali Armand. She is an ABC digital journalist and she reports on all things sport across the Pacific Islands. We're going to dig into a little bit of that and get to know Ali a bit more. Ali, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Firstly, I'll get you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, um, first of all, I should say that I am a, a sport writer who has zero sporting ability. I am completely unco and was always that kid who was picked last uh, for the the team. I I think I wagged like 99.9% of all my P classes. But in a way, I, I think it was that sort of exclusion from sporting ability that, um, drew me to wanting to write about sport in a way. Oh, you speak about your um, sporting journalism career. What, even though you weren't really great at a sport, did you have a sport that I guess you, you clung on to that you like, this is a sport that I love to follow and, and I guess made you really passionate about covering it as, as a category? Well, I'll, I'll try and answer that in a, I guess the category I cover is Pacific sport and um, I can get into why that is so magical a little bit later, but I think um, it would have to be the diff- the cultural difference between rugby league and rugby union that first fascinated me about sports. So I grew up in Queensland, so I think it might be more of a thing for New South Wales and um, Queensland. And I 
went to a a rugby union school um and that was my first big awakening of this sport and culture kind of intersection in Australia um because I grew up really working class and in working class Queensland everyone follows rugby league and then I went to um a rugby union school where the whole school was sort of propelled around the first 15 and um particularly this premier match that our school played against another school in Toowoomba which is where I went to high school and um it's like <laughs> to stand there and do a tunnel for the boys as they run out to play this game they're so hyped up they they run out um it was actually the biggest sporting event of the calendar for Toowoomba as well it's Downlands versus Grammar or Grammar Day as it's called there but anyway these boys are just like tears streaming down their face like they're they're so emotional they're so like moved by the moment um and I guess I saw that and I was like what is that that all about um I I wanted to know more what that felt like um because I guess I was really perceptive of the energy and emotion of sport the power of sport and um Although I never had a particular sport, I really gravitated to, I guess it was just that perceiving the, the, the power, the, the joy, the drive that sport can bring to the world. It's, it's funny you mentioned uh, rugby and school rugby in Queensland and, and the passion that exists there because I, I love seeing uh, videos from New Zealand and schoolboys rugby over there where they have – hundreds and hundreds of kids performing huckers before games um obviously as, mm-hmm. as as a part of of their games their their pre-match um, not entertainment but some of their rituals over there and 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 the level of passion that that all the kids that are at the school have for their first 15 is is really evident there as well yeah goosebumps right it, and it really i guess you're at that formative age where seeing it's not often teenagers really show bear their emotions um and their vulnerability too much in that way particularly boys right so (laughs) so um yeah I guess seeing that and being around that but also I was really interested in just that difference between rugby league and rugby union and what is all that about um yeah really has an impact on a young person. Ali you speak about rugby league and rugby union and and Dean and I were were we're a bit cut down the middle because I'm a young. I'm, I'm still playing rugby union, and um, Dean is a former league player. But do you have a soft spot for one more than the other? <laughs> hey, you guys, don't make me pick choose between mum and, and choose dad. correctly. <laughs> Which is the more elite sport? <laughs> look, I I think I I look. I would have said rugby league, but. Um, as I've gotten more and more into the world of Pacific sport, I'm completely torn because I I think that the the rawness and um, the flair of rugby league I see that all through the Pacific Pacific Island rugby union, um, and I yeah I guess that's the other thing as well with writing being parkier and writing about Pacific sport. Um, it becomes so infectious because it's just so rich with colour and meaning. Um, you know, things like stories I've worked on recently. Well, the biggest story of the last year, the Toa Samoa win, uh, making the grand finals of the Rugby League World Cup. I mean, you can't beat that moment. Or um, like the Tongatala. What a story. Last year, they rose from zero from nothing in the world rankings to I think in the last month or so they actually went up to the number eight spot but all of that rich culture and um, passion and flair with their story expanding out with that team going having a homecoming where they actually met Her Majesty the Queen and a lot of those girls hadn't even been to Tonga before just stuff like that. It's such an honour and a, a privilege to to 
throw myself into this area of sport now. And, um, and I guess, I guess that's the other thing about me is I am looking for not just to write a story about um, a, a score, a medal, uh, the points I'm looking for that, um, the story behind the story, the, the trying to find that humanity piece that everyone can um, get into and get excited about. Is that what you, when you were talking before about the magic of Pacific sport, is that, is that what you were alluding to? Just the, the richness in, in, in what culture and, and sport blends together? Yeah, that's right. And just the way that it's sort of woven into the fabric of everyday society in the Pacific islands and how it's held on the same pedestal as, as, as God and family and sport, it all just goes hand in hand. And who, who wouldn't find that just thoroughly infectious and beautiful. And it's such an honor to work in this area. Ali, you've covered a number of amazing stories, but I have to ask, do you have a favourite story that you've been able to share through the ABC channel so far? Well, <laughs> I, I love finding quirky stories. And uh, one of my recent stories was about the world of darts, the sport of darts in Papua New Guinea. So first of all, I have a question for both of you. If it's a Saturday afternoon and it's a beautiful summer day, you've been at the pub with a few friends, a couple of jugs of ale have gone down, are you going to gravitate towards the pool table or the darts board? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, first, I'll just have water in the jugs because I'm um, <laughs> re- responsible. Uh, but... <laughs> To be honest, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably go to the pool table, but I do enjoy playing darts. And when I'm on, I think I'm very good without bragging. Sarah? <laughs> I think I'd go to the darts, even though I know I'm pretty woeful at it. I'll be honest. <laughs> there was just something about this story. I think I was going on a deep um, YouTube deep dive and I, I went from like this tribe was actually the Mudman tribe in like the Eastern Highlands and Papua New Guinea and how they play darts. And then that led to this clip of of these open air dart stalls that they call cola darts, uh, where in markets or public places, there will be seven boards set up. And if they can't find something to raise them at height, they'll just put them on the ground and prop them up with some rocks. And uh, and then people just gather around. It's a bit of a party atmosphere and they're um, playing for uh, bottles of Coca-Cola or noodles or definitely money, beer as well. Um, so I found that really interesting. But then that led me to look into the professional game of darts in Papua New Guinea and that's been a growing sport to the point where the Papua New Guinea Darts Federation is trying to get it accredited to be in the Pacific Games and that's actually a a movement worldwide with where we could be looking at darts being in the Commonwealth Games or even the Olympics in the future. Um, but yeah, I was really taken by this story. I interviewed a 12-year-old girl who is playing Division One against men and women up to three times her age, and she's she's winning tournaments, um, and she just loves it. Well, Ali, it's great to hear that story for a start, but we look forward uh, to hopefully bringing more stories from yourself because we're excited to have you uh, connected to the show and unearthing stories like darts in PNG is something that uh, we don't have a lot of expertise on. So drawing on your expertise is going to be really helpful. Um, Look, it's my pleasure and um, maybe we can throw some arrows at a board sometime soon. (laughs) That sounds good. Now, before we let you go, we, we, we like to play a game with all of our guests, and it's called Tip On. Basically, it's 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions, and we just want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready to go? All right. Let's do it. All right. What have you been binging lately? Protein bars. <laughs> what is your coffee order? A strong latte in a glass. Who is your sporting hero? 
Someone you probably will not have heard of. It's the captain of the Papua New Guinea women's cricket team. Her name is Kaya Arua and uh, she's my sporting hero because I not only has she led this team, which is a fairly of a fairly obscure sport in that country, cricket, but she is uh, she has a powerful backstory. She's also leading a team of seven mothers, um, which is really unusual for international cricket, and she has quite a traumatic and uh, backstory herself, personal backstory with her own kids and her own family and. Yeah, when you when you sit down and listen to a captain like that tell you what she's been been through and and what she's achieving with her team, yeah, it's pretty inspirational stuff. Well, it does sound inspirational. We only got through two questions, but um, it was well worth it. Or do you get through three? <laughs> we got through three questions, but it was well worth we it to hear did. some more stories. Another little glimpse for our all listeners. the time with the third. I did yeah. warn you. <laughs> No, but that's worth that's it, fine. No. Yeah, definitely worth it. Um, Ali, thanks very much for joining us on the show. We look forward, as I said, to hearing uh, more of your stories that uh, you bring us from the Pacific. Okay, thanks, guys. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Keeping it social is definitely one of my favourite segments of the show because I spend so much time on my phone. But this week, it was actually worth it because Dolphins NRL Instagram is beaming with some of the hottest content and it was so wholesome, Hala, so wholesome, to let them or hear them, hear them slash see them, um, sing the team song for the very first time. Good to see the Dolphins, one, get a victory. We spoke about that earlier, but then celebrate in style with their team song. Couldn't understand much of it. I'm glad there was some different – it sounded a little bit different to a lot of the teams that are doing it these days because you often hear the same thing over and over. Um, there was a little element of that there, but pretty exciting for them, Sarah. Yeah, it was just really exciting. So hopefully they get to sing that song a little bit more but over to you, Hello, What'd you find? Yes, so I was on the Super Rugby Instagram page, Super Rugby Pacific, and the first, or well, one of the first ones that caught my eye on the <laughs> on their tiles was uh, someone that's you know quite often seen with his shirt off. But it was Sunny Bill Williams sitting down within a singlet, and um, yeah, he decided to uh, I don't know relax while he was doing some commentary work on the sidelines. I'm trying to work here, guys. You don't need <laughs> singlets, champ. What's going on? McArdle gets in grief last week for wearing shorts, and you rock up in a... It's a guy under my suit jacket. Oh. Right? It's 40 degrees down here. I'm trying to get a tan as well for my wife. Sarah, Sonny Bill in a singlet. What do you reckon? Play on, my brother. Play on. <laughs> in the ruck. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? Sarah, it's time to tackle some tough headlines and there's plenty going on in the world of rugby. Yes, but we're going to start with a good one and that is that the Wallaroos have confirmed their fixtures for the 2023 season leading up to the World Rugby Inaugural 15 tournament in September. This is so exciting, Hala. Um, I am a current Wallaroos member and or player, I should say, and we have eight test matches on our calendar and after two years of... Um, test matches being heavily affected due to COVID and the restrictions. It's so cool to be able to play back in home soil, which will kick off on May 20th when we host Fijiana. And then on the back of that, there's a whole series of games where we'll travel between Australia and New Zealand. Pacific Four Test Series is actually going to be taking place in Canada, which is super cool because I've never been to Canada. So hopefully I'm in that uh, that squad that travels there. And then um, the, the last stop for us will be South Africa, where we'll have the inaugural 15s tournament, which is super, super exciting to be part of. That's pretty cool. It looks like a genuine tour. Like a genuine uh, international calendar, which is uh, awesome to see. And Canada, I've heard the people in Canada are super nice. Uh, and look, hopefully, Sarah, you're a part of that and you get to go over and, yeah, experience uh, a full international season. Yeah, it's so cool. And, I mean, on the back of Super W, um, a lot of squads have been um, boosted by some big names. I think it's going to really set us up for for a solid international season. So very much looking forward to it. Now, Eddie Jones, the incoming coach or the now coach of the, the Wallabies, uh, also in your realm, Sarah. He appeared on Offsiders uh, earlier in the week and he had some interesting comments. I mean, he talked all things rugby, but um, 
the composition of his team is, is going to look a little bit different in terms of demographics to what it did well, 20 years ago, roughly, when he was uh, in charge of the Wallabies. So the question was put to Eddie around the fact that uh, a large percentage of the playing population now, the Wallabies, is, is Pacifica background. And that would be a lot different to what he's used to. I'm sure he's coached plenty of Pacifica players before in a smaller number, but he was asked how his approach would be. The cultural differences are important because they're different, they're different in terms of... Some players are different in terms of the way they learn. Some players are different in the way you've got to manage them. But the, the bottom line is, once you get in a team, everyone's got to have the same values. And that's the hard thing to get. Do I need to change? Uh, probably the players need to change. Uh, pretty interesting comments from Eddie there. I, I think the point he makes about team values and culture, uh, team standards, I guess, is is pretty important. Any team that you go into, you should have an understanding of what they're about and you should try and meet that as well. Um, understanding individuals, I think, is really important as well. So even though he's saying that players need to change. I think he's referring to players need to at least meet the team standards and behaviours and values or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's equally important to understand the individuals as well so you can get the most out of them. Now, Sarah, there's, there's plenty happening around Eddie Jones and uh, the Wallabies, and he's made some comments about rugby league as well. Yes, Eddie Jones hasn't shied away from the fact that he has been looking at NRL as a code and has started uh, recruiting, uh, first starting off with Brett Hodgson, who is an NRL coach, and also eyeing off some of the talent in the likes of Joseph Manu and Joseph Suwali. But Sonny Bill Williams, who's probably one of the most successful converts of the game, um, has, has spoken out against this and said that Eddie Jones should probably look beyond NRL to build rugby back up and is speaking specifically to recruiting talent from grassroots rugby. Yeah, grassroots rugby is something that often is talked about as neglected in the rugby circle. It's usually that the top end gets looked after in the hope that the bottom will follow. But um, Sonny Bill's talking about grassroots rugby, Western Sydney as a, as a talent pool for, for players. And it's kind of like the same nursery where we often talk about rugby league players coming from. Um, but if, if you can focus on strengthening grassroots rugby and providing opportunities at an earlier age. I think that's what Sonny, Sonny Bill's hinting towards is you'll, you'll get the, um, the benefits later down the track when they come through and then you sort of inadvertently drain the rugby league talent pool. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that all of these conversations, particularly on recruitment and, and converting players from one coach to another, happening with such a short lead-up um, with World Cup, um, not very far off. So it'd be interesting to see what recruits um, come to the Wallaby side um, and also how Eddie Jones will construct his Wallaby squad in the lead-up to the World Cup. So plenty to look out for, lots of conversations surrounding it, but I'm sure it's not the last time that we're speaking about Eddie Jones in the lead-up, um, or particularly throughout Super Rugby Pacific anyways. Can I, can I just say, I'm actually excited about like the chat that's around rugby for a change. Like I know I'm a league at, at heart and I'm everything about league, but I like that um, Eddie's come in and he's trying to reestablish the Wallabies as a super force on the Australian sporting map, I guess. Uh, so I, I do like that about it. Yeah, he's, he's um, certainly ruffled some feathers, but I think in all the right ways. And Eddie Jones is known for being quite controversial, but he is definitely uh, quite refreshing, I think, in the Rugby Australia landscape. So pretty keen to see what he does over the next few months. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Matola Kia. Mother. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.